0: Hey everybody! Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Tech Talks. You're chopping it up with Chuck. I'm the editor in chief of Cannabis and Tech today, and we have a couple of very special people on our podcast today. First and foremost, we've got Adam Saldania. How you doing,
1: Adam? Pretty good, pretty good. I'm uh, actually the video editor here at Cannabis and Tech, and uh, yeah, we actually have Julia Jacobson here with us, the CEO of Astor Farms. Astor Farms is a Northern California Upper Lake Cannabis company founded in 2016 by her herself and her husband, a husband and wife team, uh, Samuel Ludwig. And yes, yeah, so we're super excited to talk, talk to you today and learn a little bit more about Astor Farms.
2: Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you all as well.
0: So, uh, Julia, question for you is, um, how are things going right now with Aster Farms? You know, uh, it's kind of a crazy time. um, And we've been talking to different segments of the industries and finding out sort of some different challenges and opportunities they have. So what's kind of going on? uh, What's going on over in your neck of the woods?
2: Definitely an interesting time. Um, you know, we, we really think first and foremost that the, the fact that cannabis has been deemed an essential business in so many states in the country right now really sets a new precedent. Um, And we really believe that that's going to change the conversation on a national level. So, um, you know, the way that cannabis has been treated during COVID um, is really great for the industry and great for patients um, and consumers of all types. Um, So, you know, business goes on. Um, We have been allowed to operate. But that, of course, puts many more challenges in place. Um, for us we are cultivators so we're a brand with cultivation um, integrated and so the most challenging part has been keeping our farm team safe while continuing on with the season because agriculture does not wait for you
0: yeah and how many how many people do you have uh, out there working on the farm
2: we have a team of three on the farm um, right now they're trying to scatter schedules so that everybody is um, you know, coming at a somewhat different time. Some people are coming on the weekends. Instead, we have a policy of only one person per building. Building could mean a greenhouse. Um, so we're talking, you know, 2,500 square foot greenhouse. We're still only letting one person in at a time. Um, so we're being extra cautious. Um, as, a, as a boss and a CEO, the, the weight of the possibility that one of our employees could get sick from coming to work um, is incredibly heavy. And so we're just doing everything we can to keep everybody safe. Um, Keeping everybody safe also means keeping everybody paid.
0: And that's also super important to us. And how are, um, how are things working with your partners and, you know, basically the whole chain of when it goes from cultivation to, you know, the different steps is, is everybody still Um, You know, there and and working in place uh, taking the same precautions, of course, or what what are you seeing along the lines there?
2: We definitely had to branch out a little bit in terms of our packaging supplies. Mm. Um, A lot of packaging supplies come from China. Luckily, two of the packaging companies that we work with stocked up a bit. They typically have a good stockpile of pa- of jars and tubes and all those things that we have to use regularly. Um, but it has it, it. You can feel the anxiety of we must get those jars from the stockpile. Um, so the packaging um, uh, packaging material part of the supply chain. There's definitely some tension and a little anxiety there. Um, and so we're pushing hard to kind of get ahead of that. Um, Same thing in terms of the farm. You know, we use, because um, the cannabis industry is held to such strict regulations in terms of um, safety, contamination, et cetera, we use disposable gloves on a daily basis. Um, We use masks regularly, and we also have a large supply of uh, 99% isopropyl alcohol. Those are supplies that regular people are buying up right now. Um, So we have actually had to get ahead of that and try, you know, I don't want to say stockpiling. We're not trying to take this away from normal consumers, but we need this to continue to function our business. So we're kind of out there competing with regular people um, when it comes to disposable gloves and products like that. Um, In terms of our distro, our distros have uh, reduced the number of days that they're going to certain locations. Um, All of our retailers are on board with this. Everybody's, you know, because everybody is in this together, we're all working together through everybody else's kind of shortcomings and pulling back of their operations. Um, So, so far, there hasn't been anything crazy that has happened in our supply chain, um, but everybody's cooperating really well
0: it's uh i remember when we did the uh we did the podcast we had uh extract labs on here about a week ago and he was talking about how they can't get uh what was it is he saying they couldn't get ethanol because it's being used for hand sanitizer and it's so it's funny you don't you don't realize how interdependent you know every business is and the supply chain and stuff until it gets you know kind of challenged uh kind of like this totally absolutely
2: and, and you know even things in terms of um, you know, extra supplies on the farm. People are gardening a lot right now. Mm. and you know, We need this is the time of year where we replenish our rakes and our shovels and our wheelbarrows. You know, like literally it's all of we as a business are now competing with regular consumers on a lot of these products. So it's, it's, an, it's an interesting time.
1: Yeah, that's that's so crazy. Um, And two, just being from Northern California, and I know, too, uh, it's kind of different everywhere. But yeah, that, that's super interesting. But I too, uh, before we um get started uh, really into it, I, I wanted to kind of learn a little bit. And for our audience, uh, like, how did how did you kind of get into the cannabis industry? Um, For those that really don't know your story, uh, I kind of read up a little bit. And I know Charles kind of peeked at it, too. Um, But for those that don't know, like, uh, can you tell a little bit of how you kind of, Got your foot in that door and now are the CEO of your own. it's it's incredible.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I started my career in the retail industry. I was a buyer for Bloomingdales out of college. Um, I was there for about four years, so got a really good background in supply chain logistics and retail economics. Um, I also started that job the year that the recession hit. so, Um, It's interesting to kind of see the parallels in terms of CPG products um, from then and then to the time that we're entering or in right now. Um, after about four years, I you know, I, I guess I have an entrepreneurial itch because I saw some problems in the supply chain in retail, um, and I decided to leave and start my own tech startup. Um, so I created an affiliate marketing company. Um, it was kind of like Squarespace for affiliate marketing in that you can build your own white label shop and fill it with products that you don't own but you make a commission on. Um, ran that company for about five and a half years. We went through the tech incubator tech stars, which was probably one of the better things that has happened to me in my career because it was an absolute boot camp, which is literally what it's supposed to be. It's a boot camp in becoming a CEO. Um, And I definitely learned a lot. Um, Also created a really fantastic network of mentors that have helped me along the way since then. Um, So in about in 2016, my company was acquired by XO Group. Um, which is the company that owns the Knot, the Bump, and the Nest. Um, It's a media company. And I worked there for about a year and a half uh, as the director of commerce and then as the director of revenue products. And by the end of that, I was unbelievably burnt out um, did not want to have anything to do with retail because even my tech company had to do with retail. And even my role at a media company had to do with um, e-commerce and click-throughs and whatnot. And I just was so burnt out from all of that. I wanted nothing to do with it. I didn't want to be online all the time living in this online world. And I had this literal urge to put my hands in the dirt. Um, So I spent one night up until four in the morning researching soil testing (laughs) and started looking for jobs in which I could fit my kind of biz dev role into an ag company. Um, There was one application that I looked at that said, you must be able to carry 100 pounds by yourself and like 200 pounds with another person. Like they were actual, even as the biz dev director, there were real ag qualifications. Um, So uh, simultaneously, my husband, Sam, his family, his grandparents have been living in Mendocino since the seventies, growing cannabis. Um, They have Uh, a
1: Northern California. It's all coming together now.
0: Yeah,
2: Yeah. Yeah. And throughout this time, I have been both a medicinal and recreational cannabis user. Um, I have chronic migraines that have put me in the hospital time after time um, and that regular pharmaceuticals. No, not only didn't work, but gave me horrible side effects. Um, so between both of those things, cannabis was already part of my life. Um, but my husband's family had been growing cannabis for about fifty years. Um, they have an off the grid, completely sustainable ranch, um, and his other uncle grows organic olives. And we started to spend a lot of time because of this urge to be nature and put my hand in the dirt. <laughs> we started to spend a lot of time up at these farms um, and kind of looking into okay, cannabis. This is becoming a real legal industry. Is this kind of how all the pieces come together? And we decided to just do it. Um. So we jumped in. We started. You know, we knew we wanted to create a company that was harkened back to the earth. Um, we are conscious consumers ourselves. We care about the companies we buy from. Um, we care about what's in our food, where our clothes are produced, and so we wanted to create that for. Are for people like us. Um, we see a lot of people who are conscious consumers these days. And we also wanted to create a brand that had its connection to the land and sustainable agriculture. So to us, it was a no-brainer. We should be vertically integrated. We should be a brand with cultivation. Um, but little did we know that is a unique differentiator in this industry. So that's, that's how it all came together
0: it, it was it was meant to be it was just uh it was where you guys were meant to be all along, and it probably felt like coming home once it all came together
2: totally and every day every day is just an absolute joy mm-hmm. so we-
0: isn't there isn't there something about? that connection to nature, you know, that is, that is therapeutic. Um, I'm, I'm a big water guy, you know, I spent 10 years in, in Florida, you know, Clearwater beach, and there's just something about that ocean. Uh, I live here in in Colorado now and people that are natives here, they talk about the mountains that way. You know, when they go away from Colorado, you know, for school or for work or whatever, they miss the mountains. Like they feel like something's missing from their life. And I think that, uh, uh, would you say it's the same thing when you're working, you know, on the farm? You're growing. You're in nature. There's just that that connection.
2: Absolutely, totally. And, you know, and that's something that we also wanted to bring into our entire brand. So our branding is a mountainscape um, because California is just like Colorado in that sense. It's not all mountains; there are hills. But everywhere you go, whether you're in the desert your background is mountains. If you're in Big Sur, you're in the mountains. If you're up north, you're in the mountains. So we wanted to kind of bring that just even into our branding, um, and kind of bring people into that world. But you know, for me and Sam, more the business side, we joined up with his old family friend who's been growing cannabis for 15 years. Um, But so Sam and I spend about one to two days at the farm every week. And it is the happiest days of the week. And it is absolutely true. I believe there's really something there. Just like being in the outdoors, spending your day paying attention to plants and animals and listening to the birds and the bees, literally. (laughs) It's amazing.
0: I think, uh, and I think, Adam, you can probably relate to this too, but I've noticed that during this uh, stay-at-home period, um, you know, you've got your home office, you've got your computer, you've got your zoom meetings, you know, you, you got your to do list and, and you can work. But after a while, like I start feeling kind of stir crazy and I just have to like get out in the sun and, you know, go walk on the trail or, you know, take my daughter on, you know, a, a bike ride or something. It's really important. I think if we've noticed anything, you know, uh, during this stay at home, it's, there's, there's gotta be some kind of connection to the outside and nature. Uh, you know, even, even in our day-to-day lives, because it's just, uh, you kind of go crazy without it.
1: I was totally. I was already planning on taking a little walk, like as soon as uh, we got done recording here too, I was like, I just need a little fresh air. It's kind of actually nice out today a little bit. It's been kind of cloudy and gray over here. But um, yeah, too. And like you said, with the connection with gardening and with the supplies and how how during this time, a lot of people, it's just therapy and just being out in that environment. Cannabis is obviously connected connected so many people i i love the aspect you had touched on how kind of like and two, i feel like charles you probably could relate to this we cover a lot of the this first um cannabis industry kind of how it's evolving and growing and we love talking about companies like yourself that are sustainable and i think just being a part of this like first wave in the industry like i think i had read somewhere it's kind of like the part of history and kind of just being in in this together i think it's a really good time you know to to be covering some of this, a company like yours that kind of stands out from the rest with some of these sustainable, you know, packaging and different topics that people, you know, kind of are looking, looking to kind of solve some of those problems. So yeah, it's, it's good. To, it's a, it's a humbling experience to be part of that, uh, that wave, I think.
2: Thank you. And absolutely. We totally agree. And, you know, we really believe that, believe that cannabis can be a leader in the sustainability efforts, mm. um, you know, regenerative is something that people are starting to talk about even when it comes to big ag um, and how can big ag take small steps to be a little bit more regenerative Um, and cannabis has unique properties that position itself to to be the leader there you don't you know it's such a valuable and not even by dollars but valuable in what an eighth uh brings to someone and how far it gets. And so per square foot crops, you only need a couple acres. You don't need a thousand acres like you do with almonds. Um, And so you can, you can do it the old school way, you can broad fork instead of tilling, you can, you can do these regenerative sustainable practices. And so I think, you know, cannabis has such a spotlight on it right now. And I think we should be using this time to help um, move the conversation there and help show that cannabis can be a leader and something really good for us.
0: I love the words that are coming out of your mouth, Julia. This is <laughs> sustainability is kind of, uh, you know, at the core of everything we do. I mean, we're, we're a tech publication, but we feel that sustainability um, can, can, is bottom line oriented and it's strategic and it's not just something that's nice to do. It's really smart to do on a lot of different levels. So um, we've got to take a quick break and uh, give a shout out to one of our sponsors. But when we come back. I want to talk to you and find out what are you guys doing um, that makes you so sustainable at your farm because uh, people like to hear like, you know, practical things that they can do. And I think that it's somewhat inspiring for other uh, cultivators out there and they might want to, yeah, just hear what you guys are doing to make you so sustainable there at um, at Astor Farms.
2: You got it.
0: Okay. All right, everybody. We'll be right back after this short break. Thank you so much for listening to Cannabis Tech Talks. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Cannabis Tech Talks. Real quick, I'd like to mention this episode is made possible by Dama Financial. Dama provides your cannabis company with FDIC-insured financial services. Join now and gain access to transparent financial solutions with multi-channel payment processing. Enable payments from a linked bank account or debit card for in-store, online, or at point of delivery transactions. For more info, visit www.dammafinancial.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Cannabis Tech Talks. You're chopping it up with Chuck and Adam. And we are here today with Julia Jacobson, the CEO of Astor Farms. Uh, And we want to find out, Julia, tell us about what makes your farm so sustainable because, um, obviously sustainability is important to you. It's important to the cannabis industry. It's important to us. We just, uh, actually last year, we launched our sustainable leadership awards, um, cause we wanted to recognize brands in the cannabis space that were doing things to be sustainable. So tell us, um, tell us what's going on over there with regard to sustainability.
2: You got it. So um, there are various aspects of how we attack the sustainability um, piece of our operation. So first and foremost is the way that we grow. Um, We grow outdoors and we don't grow outdoors in pots, which is typically how people grow outdoors. Um, Not terracotta pots. They're these um, big, almost like a coffee sack, um, material. Anyways, anyways, these big pots, uh, we do not grow on pots. We grow right in the ground. So our roots are going into the live soil and that's really, you know, our director of cultivation says we're not feeding the cannabis. We're feeding the soil. Because if our soil is a healthy ecosystem, our soil is going to feed the cannabis. And so that's really how we look at our agriculture. Um, So we're building living soil in that ground. And what living soil means is a really healthy ecosystem of insects and microbes. Um, so you want a lot of earthworms, you want other bugs that are breaking up the soil, are breaking down and eating all of the organic um, foliage that's falling and starting to decompose. And then that breaks down and then all the microbes eat that. And together they create all the nutrients, they balance all the nutrients, they keep the soil aerated, um, they just keep it really healthy. And that's living soil. And so um, we really want to keep our soil as healthy as possible. When you talk about traditional agriculture, traditional agriculture is typically using rototilling, um, and that's basically an attachment to a tractor that you're pulling, and you can think of it like a blender to the soil. It is literally like putting, taking some soil, putting it in a blender, and turning it on high speed. You are killing the worms, you are killing the other insects, you're Mm -hmm. disturbing the Microbiome, um, you're basically leaving dead soil behind. Um, and so that, and so when you're you're driving, you know, for in California, when you're driving down I-5, um, you see in the breadbasket all these fields of just brown, dusty soil. Um, there's nothing alive in that. And that requires a lot of fertilizers. Um, In order, a huge amount of chemical fertilizers to even get the plants that you plant in dead soil um, to take roots and to be strong enough to actually grow and thrive in that soil. Um, Because the soil is not living and it's not properly absorbing, when rains come and when you're irrigating, um, you tend to have a lot of runoff. So now you have dead, bad soil with fertilizer chemicals being run off and going into our water systems. Um, so, so growing in ground with living soil is a huge step in terms of um, sustainable agriculture. And you can't have living soil without compost and cover crops. Um, So we not only grow cover crop with and amongst our cannabis plants as they're growing. Um, So we have wildflowers, rye, and peas that grow amongst the um, plants. And we also, of course, have our typical grass um, on the ground. It's not a a dirt field. And then once we cut the cannabis plants down and it's the end of the season, um, we are typically growing daikon and mustard greens. Um, both of those have really strong root systems that dig really deep. So they help break up the soil. Um, and then when you chop them down, you're composting them right into the ground. So you're capturing all that nitrogen and it's going right back into your soil to replenish your soil. Um, so the whole process of cover crop, um, no tilling, um, really supporting that insect and microbiome population, um, that's that's step one in being a sustainable cannabis company. And I would say that's probably the most important. Um, and that's one of the aspects that other industries in agriculture can kind of take from the cannabis industry. You don't have to turn your entire almond field into living soil. Um, but every <laughs> acre of the soil that we bring to this earth, 40 percent of the earth is now used for agriculture. For every acre that we turn into regenerative agriculture, we're do, doing something amazing for the earth. So that's step one. Um, We also, cannabis does use a lot of water. Um, So we have an ag pond. And what an ag pond does um, is capture the rainfall in the winter, in the rainy season. Um, Last year was our first year with our ag pond. And to keep it sustainable, instead of using a reverse osmosis pump to keep the pH balance low, um, or any kind of chemicals to balance the pH, we we put in a uh, floating wetland. Um, So we used wetland plants that are typically found in small ponds like this and created them a floating system um, so that it can rise and fall with our ag pond um, and helps aerate and keep the water um, in its proper uh, pH levels. It was tough. It didn't. We didn't get the peak levels perfect. Um, so we're going to give it another try this year. Uh, but that's another way in which we focus on sustainability: is all of our choices that we make when it comes to how we treat our water um, and and what kind of um, machinery we're actually bringing into our operations and into our systems. Wow. So. Those are the main yeah. ag ways yeah. which we are.
0: Sustainable. That is fascinating. Yeah. Starting I mean, from the, the root, the, the fact that you guys put so much attention into the soil, and then where you're sourcing your you know your water from, to way that you're doing all of this, it's literally it's an ecosystem, right? It's your yep. own ecosystem yep. within it, and you guys are are using sustainability all the way through.
2: Exactly. And we also, we compost. So we have an herb garden. It's actually a terpene garden um, that we use to educate people on terpenes. So they're non-cannabis plants that have the same terpenes. Um, So like rosemary, sage, thyme, uh, lemon verbena, etc. So we compost all the trimmings from our terpene garden we compost all the trimmings when we mow the grass. Um, And so we also have our own compost that gets put right back into the soil as well. And this year, I am most excited, we're either getting miniature donkeys, or goats and donkeys, and they will be contributing to our compost as well. So we are, I am super excited about that.
0: That is, that is
1: so cool. Yeah, we um we actually uh, not a little bit over a year ago we um I got to visit uh, a small sustainable um like kind of small batch grow and and kind of like what you were saying they kind of um do a lot of sustainable practices and one of their things I think you're trying to touch on too with the animals being there kind of um I think the brand was called Fish Shit and it was um kind of like uh (laughs) the same thing that I think you're touching on with some of the nutrients literally Fish Shit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All natural and all organic and everything. But yeah. So yeah, that's, that's super interesting talking about, and it's actually the farm. It's going to be a farm. Now you have animals.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly.
0: (laughs) So when you're growing outdoor, um, is the soil the most important thing or what's more important because there's the long debate about light, you know, natural light versus, you know, artificial light, you know, everything like that. So what's more important? Is it the soil or the light?
2: Oh, that is such a good question, man. I don't know if I can say which is more important, but they're different. So, you know, the soil, what the soil is doing is creating a really great complex Uh, cannabinoid profile and terpenes Um, with living soil you get really great terpene expression so we typically have around two percent terpenes in all of our cannabis if you compare that to an indoor operation unless they're pumping it with something that's beefing up their terpenes it's going to be significantly lower so on the complexity of the strain in Mm -hmm. some ways i would say the soil But again, you have the red light and the blue light. You have a full spectrum light, which is how the plant is supposed to um, veg and flower and grow. So I think both are important. I think technology has um, kind of Worked its way on the light side better than it has on the soil side. You can't really replicate living soil, but there are some lighting systems out there that can get close to that, that blue and red light spectrum. Um, So I would say, I would say in that sense, living soil is more important because there isn't something that comes close at all to an alternative.
0: So what um let me ask you this then. What is the quality? Because everything that's going into the mix, you know, everything you're putting in here, it sounds amazing. It sounds incredible. What is the quality of the flour um, that is actually getting to the consumers? Because a lot of times at dispensaries, what, what I notice, you know, around here in Colorado, and I even talked to someone in Southern California about this, is they'll have um they'll have cannabis on special that's outdoor. And they'll tell you, oh, it's testing at 23, it's testing at 27. You know, and you look at it, and it's just not as pretty as, as yeah. you know, the other stuff there. So I guess the question is, is your stuff pretty?
2: That is a great question. No, it's not. Um, it is not. I mean, it's pretty, yes. Uh-huh. So um, typically outdoor flower can be a little bit more um, loose, kind of, the, okay. like leafy. Um, ours is very dense. Um, it's the way that we cure it. It's the way that we grow. It's some of the nutrients that we give it. Um, so our, our buds are dense, like indoor cannabis, but you don't see that just insane trichome crystallization all over the exterior. Um, you're, you know, you see trichomes, um, but it looks like weed. (laughs) The funny thing is when you smoke it, everybody and, and, you know, everybody who tries, we have a a little bit of a cult following here in California and people will say, they're like, it is not the prettiest stuff in the shelf, Uh but it is the best high you're going to get out of anything you're smoking there. Um, So I would say to people, do not use shelf appeal is Uh shelf appeal you know, it's, you got to look deeper than that. And when it's testing at 23, 27%, it doesn't have to look like it has crystals all over it. The trichomes are in there and it's not, you know, so, so believe, understand that outdoor weed is some of the best uh, cannabis on, on the market for sure. And it doesn't have to look pretty. Interesting.
1: Yeah, no, I've, I've, I've spun, uh, kind of just gazed into like some of your social media and I, on Instagram. And yeah, like she said, a cult following, like a lot of people are like, dying to get their hands on some. And yeah, it's, uh, and a lot of the, you, how many places do you guys distribute to? You guys have a pretty hefty list of, uh, distributors there.
2: Yeah. So we're in about 45, uh, shops and statewide deliveries in California right now. Um, so we're represented uh full state from San Diego all the way up to Eureka.
0: Are you guys doing anything on the energy side, uh, for sustainability?
2: Yeah. So, um, There are a couple aspects of that. The first is, you know, in terms of transport. So we do have materials that we bring into the farm. Um, And so we are trying to source all those materials, number one, from local vendors to support the local community. um, But number two, also within a 50 mile radius, um, because that is considered what is sustainable in terms of um, carbon emissions from transport of materials. Um, so that's number one. Um, number two, you know, our nursery greenhouse, we don't have any lighting. There's no supplemental lighting in it. So we're not pulling any electricity for that. Um, in addition, we are going to be adding solar. Um, so we're going to be adding a lot of solar in our expansion site. We're going to be expanding a couple acres. Um, And that is going to be entirely operated by solar there, and we'll have some solar on our um, current site that is right now powered from the normal grid. Um, So the the solar aspect we are working towards, but in terms of sourcing and being careful about our carbon emissions and transport, um, that we are already doing today.
1: That's great. Yeah, just trying to minimize that footprint that, that so many of us, you know, don't, a lot of people don't try to think about the back end of that stuff. But yeah, just trying to minimize that footprint is really important and something that we love to talk about here. So that's great.
2: And, and same thing with the supply chain, you know, we were working with four different uh, manufacturers for our pre-rolls and so product was being moved back and forth in many places Um, for many reasons, including efficiency and all of that we've consolidated. And right there, we have just saved a huge amount in terms of carbon emissions by working with one manufacturer.
1: That's great. And another thing that kind of really stuck out to me talking about sustainability, because it always gets on on my nerves. And I know we talk about this too, Charles, like some of the packaging of the cannabis and like you just mentioned, the, the pre-roll tubes and stuff like that. Some of them are jars inside of plastic, inside of other just, yeah, just inside waste. of more plastic. And like you more. said, another thing that stuck out to me was, uh, was your uh, packaging. So could you touch on that a little bit?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the tricky part about packaging, at least in California, is that it has to be child resistant and there's an actual certification for that. Um, so there aren't many sustainable materials or I should say like biodegradable Um, materials out there yet that have been certified so how we're approaching it is we are using glass as much as possible um, because that can be recycled so our jars are glass and our pre-roll tubes are glass Um, and then we are not we're we're trying to put everything on one label um, we do not add a pretty beautiful box around it. You know, a lot of these companies have these gorgeous designs on these boxes where they have all this real estate to put information and put beautiful imagery. Um, we're not going to give you another box. just it's a jar and there's weed in it. That's all you need. You don't need a box. You don't need a flyer explaining something, you know, keep it simple. Um, so, you know, that aspect of sustainability is definitely something that is a longer term goal to continue to get better at. Um, but something that we're going to be doing in the next few months, um, if you ever check out, uh, what are they called? Uh, reformation, the clothing line, um, or, there's a shoe, all birds shoe company. Um, they're, doing, they're doing sustainability reporting like you would to stockholders, um, quarterly earnings reporting. They are all doing kind of uh, sustainability reporting. And so at Astor Farms, we're starting to develop a, a sustainability um, initiative ourselves to start reporting, you know, on our jars, on our tubes, you know, this jar that you bought today, you know, took this much um, in, in CO2 to yeah. create and to get to and our goal over five years is to get it down to here. Um, so we're going to start putting that that together so that we can really create a conversation with our consumer um, and, and provide as much transparency as possible.
1: Yeah, I think people really appreciate, just like you said, that just that transparency. And in in this industry, just because of the stigma that it holds, I think having that really helps it evolve into trying to lose that that stigma. And yeah, I think that's great. Just having those numbers, I, I would appreciate having something like that too. And just minusing all the garbage i make just buying <laughs> cannabis yeah it's like i feel kind of bad sometimes after going home and after taking it all out and i have my own little jar that i put it in anyway sometimes so it's like exactly. yeah it's like uh, your
0: individual sustainability scorecard you know <laughs> and you look at it at the right, end of the week right. and it's like you got an f you're like oh i'm using too much packaging
1: well uh, another <laughs> thing that kind of uh, stuck out to me and i know it's and which kind of makes your packaging kind of have its own um kind of kind of stand out too. I love how you guys um, have um, kind of like the, um, what is it, kind of the way you categorize it, like the sunscape um, yeah. different. Um, can you kind of touch on that a little bit? I know your followers probably already know, but some of the people that don't know. Absolutely.
2: So um, you were correct. It's called our sunscape. sunscape and in okay. terms of all of our branding, we wanted to keep everything related back to the earth and nature. Um, and a lot of companies, you know, there's a 2.0 consumer, and even the more OG consumer still needs some guidance on what is this product, what is the strain, et cetera, what effects should I be expecting. Um, and so a lot of companies have gone out there creating effect systems, um, but they're typically just calling it creative, calm, you know, relaxed. Whatever we don't want to promise you that you're going to get creative. I don't know what you're going to do when you smoke our Maui OG. What I can tell you is it's a good strain for the middle of the day if you want to be enjoying the daytime. Um, So, or another one of our strains is more appropriate for helping you go to sleep. So um, we we tied it back to different times of the day. So our sunscape is sunrise, radiant, sunset. Moonlight and of course outer space
1: (laughs) outer space is the the top uh, the top of the line ones right there (laughs) Yeah, I I love it. I love it. Um, Okay. So
0: I've got to ask you. Tell us about Harry's harvest
2: Oh Harry So we were hit by the Mendocino complex fire in 2018 Um, it was the largest uh, wildfire in California history it only ended up actually burning 280 structures and three of them were on our farm. Um, but we lost the whole farm where our director of cultivation lives. So he lost his family home, oh. um, out of 600 plants, 13 survived. Uh, and Harry was one of the farm cats and, um, we were not able to find Harry when we had to evacuate. Um, so we had to leave without him and we have not found him since. Um, the community though came and rallied for us. Um, people were out there looking for Harry, setting game cams up in the neighborhood. We had a nursery donate us 500 teens to get planted again. Our distributor drove, you know, 15 hours, I think, to go get the teens and stayed at nine o'clock at night with us, unloading them in the pitch black dark, because there was nothing, the whole everything burned down. Um, so the, the community really rallied around us and we were able to get back on our feet. And so we wanted to be able to give back to the community. So we created Harry's Harvest, um, which is one of our products and we donate part of our proceeds to a local organization. Um, So the first year that we had Harry's Harvest, we donated to fire relief, um, specifically to the volunteer firefighters in um, Mendocino and Lake County. Um, You know, if you think about the volunteer firefighters, their house is burning down while they're running out to go save your house. Um, It's not their job. It's what they, they have committed to do to the community because they care. Um, and they rely on donations. So that was our first um, first focus for Harry's Harvest, um, but we're going to be opening it up to really allow the dispensaries that we work with to focus on local community organizations that they care about um, and to put the money right back into their own communities. So Harry lives on.
0: That is so um, cool. The packaging, <laughs> I'm looking on your website right now and the packaging is just awesome. The uh, yeah. You got a little cat. And he's kind of like jumping over the moon so there light. for astro Farms. Like, it's really cool.
2: Thank you. Yeah, we, every, every day at the farm, I always, in the back of my mind, I'm wondering, is Harry going to come out today? But, you know, he yeah. lives on through our
1: products. Oh, no, that's great. So I'll make sure to leave a, I'll make sure to leave a link to the, to donate too uh, in the description down low for that. That's just a great cause, so. That's great. Yeah. And,
0: and let, our, let our audience know like um, where they can find you, where they can find out about Aster Farms. You know, this is a, a great time right now to just, um, you know, give a little shout out so that they can find you and reach out to you. Um, what's the best way for them to do that?
2: Yeah. So you can find our website at asterfarms.com. A-S-T-E-R. You can also find us on Instagram at at Aster Farms. Um, We respond to our info at email on the website. We also respond to DMs. Um, You can also email us at info at AsterFarms.com. But we're doing a lot of live Instagrams these days from the farm. So if you're interested in seeing what a cannabis farm looks like and how plants grow, definitely tune in.
0: That is awesome. Okay, everybody, we have uh, run to the end of the time here on the show, but you heard that from Julia. Uh, feel free to reach out to them. You can slide into their DMs and uh, get in touch with them and find out what's going on at Aster Farms. But it has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. I love the fact that you guys don't just talk about sustainability. You're really walking the walk. Um, and that's and that's really important. You guys are setting the standard. And I think that it's going to become a really powerful trend, uh, you know, not just in cannabis but like you mentioned earlier agriculture you know all across the board really respecting you know the 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 soil and the environment and everything like that so kudos to you guys it's been an absolute pleasure to have you here um yeah if there's ever anything we can do in the future just let us know and uh adam thanks for joining us well this was uh this was a really really fun chat and uh, i hope i hope one day that uh, harry comes back that, you know what I mean? Like you get, you guys just, you just see him and he comes out there because cats are, cats are crazy and dogs, they can, you know, so they're resilient, they're resourceful.
2: Totally. Well, thank you for having me really, really appreciate it and um, love everything that you guys do. So thanks so much.
0: All right. Okay, everybody, thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Cannabis Tech Talks. Uh, If you like the episode, just go ahead and hit the like button. Make sure that you subscribe and share with your friends. And don't forget to follow us on social media so you can stay in the conversation as well. Uh, That's all we've got for this uh, episode. We'll catch you next time on Cannabis Tech Talks. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thanks, guys.